Hello, and welcome to the StatCast, a BU sports podcast run by me, Harrison Friedman, and my co-host, Sam Greenman. And today we're going to talk about the Mookie Betts trade, and then later on we're going to bring on MLB.com's Mike Petriello to talk about player predictions and just the upcoming Major League season in general. So that will be after the Betts talk, but... I think we're going to have a really good podcast for you guys. I'm really excited. I'm excited. I first big time guest. No offense to Daniel or Ari, but yeah, we're know. we are excited. Uh, we can't wait to have Mike on. But first, Milo Hamilton. Swinging. All right, and welcome back to the StatCast. We're talking about the this huge trade that just happened in Major League Baseball a couple days ago involving, it ended up being four teams? Four teams, right? No, three. Three? Three. The Angels nope. technically doesn't didn't count as part of the deal? Correct. All right, so we're talking about the Mookie Betts trade, of course. He just got traded from the Boston Red Sox, along with David Price, to the Los Angeles Dodgers for... Uh, not prospect anymore because he's finished his rookie status. Alex Verdugo, an outfielder, a young outfielder, he's 23 years old. And also, the Dodgers swapped Kenta Maeda to the Twins, who then sent. And we're not entirely sure this is going to stick because there are medicals to review. Yeah. But uh, Brewster Gratterall, also, who is a hard throwing, short, com- not short, he's 6'1, but compact guy, maybe the Bartolo Colon build, fireball throwing reliever who can definitely enter the Boston Boston bullpen right away and make an impact. Tell me why you're pretty much okay with the Mookie Betts trade as a Red Sox fan. I wouldn't say I'm okay with it because we didn't really end up getting what we wanted back in the deal. Which What would you say that you wanted? More than Gratterall. And Verdugo. Yeah. I would have liked Verdugo... If, if Gratterall had to be a part of the deal, then I would have liked an, another prospect. Yeah, like Jeter Downs. Jeter Downs would probably be the number one in my mind. Or maybe if you can't have, if you could would just replace them all with Gavin Lux. Yeah, even though or that's Dustin May. Unlikely. Yeah. Or at the very least, you'd think that they could throw in someone like Julio Urias into the deal. Yeah, they seem to have an, a surplus of talent. The Dodgers. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know why they were so hesitant to part with it. And I'm not quite sure why the Red Sox were so willing to let the deal go at such a low, re- relatively low price. It's not like Verdugo isn't a good prospect. Verdugo is still going to maybe get three war this season, and which definitely doesn't replace Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts was one of the best, had been one of the best players in baseball over the last couple of years. You might even say he's the second best player in baseball, although Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich might disagree. But there's a huge dent in the Red Sox talent pool now in their lineup even though you do have players like Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts and, to a lesser degree, Andrew Benintendi. And J.D. Martinez. Up. And J.D. Martinez, of course, to back that up. You mm. take what what still might have been going into this season, even after a dif- disappointing 84-win season, 
you take a lineup that might have still been one of the best in baseball, and you take out its probably most potent bat and definitely its best guy who can go both ways because it's he's almost as good a good defender as Jackie Bradley Jr., and he's might be just as good of a hitter as J.D. Martinez. And you take that kind of superstar right out of the Red Sox team, and that's a that's a big deal to you guys, I would say. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the like the idea of trading Mookie Betts, I wasn't totally like, no, I don't want this to happen because I I think this was never about the money that was disputed between them. There was obviously a dispute of five million dollars per year on the extension that was it really five million dollars per year? Yeah, Betts would have. I, from my point of view, it seems like Betts really wanted to hit free agency and see if he could get it on the open market. Yes, I think we would have given him that money if we were in a different spot. But the reason I think it was not the worst idea to trade him is that Mookie Betts does not solve our problems right now. Our problems, as the Red Sox problems, are pitching. Pitching and more pitching. And also pitching. Yeah. And it's we can't – Betts is not going to save us our pitching. Yeah. Like, so basically w- what this trade does is, one, it helps us get under the tax – Saves us about $50 million. Okay, but at the same time, John yeah. Henry's a billionaire. That's what everybody's like, that's what everybody's saying. But it also makes sense because last year was a great indication of how this team is not poised for a sustained run. I understand that. Saying that they're not currently constructed for a World Series run and that there's no amount of money you can really throw at the team right now to put them in there makes saving the amount of money that you would on Mookie Betts more, I don't know, more palatable. And also the fact that you can actually get prospects back for him makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, it also takes, I, it also ha- puts a huge dent in your ceiling. Because with Mookie Betts in his prime, and also with Devers and Bogarts and everyone, including a decent pitching staff with all of them healthy, you have a better chance of actually making the playoffs. Steamer, pr- before this trade, Steamer, projected the Red Sox to actually be the fifth best team in the American League this year. And while it only makes the second wild card, as you saw from the Nationals this year and countless teams in years past, the wild card is all you need for a chance in the playoffs. Yeah, that's, I, it's beginning to feel actually, I think, more like a monopoly with the Yankees and Dodgers, just having such better teams than everybody else. Mm -hmm. But it's amazing how, you know, the 107 win Astros fell last year. Yeah, and how also the uh, I mean the, the Dodgers the 107 win Astros team still got to the World Series. They lost in Game Seven of the World Series, so I'm not sure you can count that as a failure necessarily. You might count the Dodgers losing to the Nationals in the first round of the playoffs a failure, but I would. But if you can get to the World Series, then I'm ne- I would never qualify that as just a failure in general. Yes. Also, you guys, the Astros already have a championship. That's true, and the Red Sox also already have a championship. Yeah, which is which is why I would, I was very, I'm sure if that if we didn't win a championship in 2018, I would have been very sour on the idea of trading Mookie Betts and David Price. Yeah, but we have a champ. They got us a championship. Now they're not really going to be in our timeline of competing. I understand that. When you have the Yankees in front of you in the division and they're such an imposing team and you also have the Rays in your division, if you if you feel like you really can't 
keep up with them, then I guess it makes sense to try to sell Mookie Betts for at least something to make up for that. But at the same time, why not try to make moves early in, earlier in the offseason? Why not try to be the team that signs Garrett Cole and is willing to pay Mookie Betts just for one more year and then have Garrett Cole be the guy in, fr- in front of your rotation and even while you have Mookie Betts leave? Because we're, we're not a Garrett Cole away from being a World Series contender. Are you sure about that? Yes. If you take him away from the Yankees and the Astros? Well, he, yes, it helps, but it do, it's not going to – that still only gives us two – well, three – Real starters and yeah, Sale, you got Chris Sale, Sale who you shaky. don't know if you can trust. Eovaldi, you don't know if he's ever going to get back no, to I was the heights about he was E-Rod. at. Erod, yeah, he, he'll be fine. He won twenty games last year. Yeah, but wins. What was his ERA? Uh, it was below four. I know that, which is decent in right? the uh, juice ball era. But yeah, the bullpen is the real issue, and that's why I think someone like Gratterall, if he's good, if he's good, then you guys might actually have a decent seven, eight, nine this year. Although, I I can't say that it's guaranteed. Yeah, by the way, Eduardo Rodriguez had six war last year. I really, I didn't know that. That's really impressive. 19-6 with a 3-8-1 ERA, 213 strikeouts, and 203 in a third innings. That's pretty good. Honestly, if not for the star power that you had at the top of the, atop the AL Cy Young race last year, maybe he would have gotten some more votes. With a 3-8-1 ERA? Well, in the juice ball era. I'm sure that it was... He had two guys with... He had multiple guys that were full run better. Of course, I mean Cole and Verlander were absolutely phenomenal last year. As was more than and people and more people like that. But it was still a tough year for a pitcher, especially in that division. But so let's talk more about the Dodgers end of the deal. What do you think this means for Los Angeles moving forward? You mentioned a monopoly with the Yankees and the Dodgers. Where do you see the Dodgers uh, falling into that? Because we already had the Yankees with their Garrett Cole acquisition as the winners of the offseason. I really think it's amazing how they are going to keep – they managed to pull off this deal getting a former MVP and a former Cy Young without having to give up too too much, like without having to compromise the future of their, organ, of their organization by giving up tons of prospects. Yeah. So – They have phenomenal prospects at the very top, two people who – and Gavin Lux and Dustin May, who which are which, who, who are both on opposite sides of the ball. Yeah, one's a hitter, one's a, one's, one's a, a phenomenal infielder. One of them could be the head of their rotation if Walker Buehler wasn't there and Clayton Kershaw, too. So, I am very intrigued to see where the Dodgers go. They did lose Yunjin Ryu, and they lost Kenta Maeda in this deal. But Price should be able to replace at least some they, of the production. Well, yeah, because they and they got back back Alex Wood from free agency from Cincinnati. Yeah, that's true. Who They is, had a couple years back. Yes. And so their rotation right now is Kershaw, Bueller, Price, Wood, and Urias, which is, I would say, definitely top five in the majors. Exactly. Especially with the front three in that rotation. Assuming yeah. May can replicate the numbers he had last year and Bueller, who seems to be a, maybe a top five pitcher in baseball by this po- at this point. Yeah. I think it's going to be a phenomenal Dodgers rotation. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's especially... Um, it makes it even better because a lot of the playoff contenders in both leagues, but specifically the NL, have a great top three of the rotation. Yeah. But kind of fizzle out four and five. Alex Wood and Julio Urias are not slouches. But at the same time, there's no guarantee that either of them stays healthy. They both had since on the long since on the DL in the past several years. So if they're good, they do have really good stuff. And so that will help the team. But 
the Dodgers, they've always been able to draw from their depth in the last several years, and that's why they have never really faltered at any point. They just keep going to a new guy. They've had Rich Hill. They've had Hyunjin Ryu, like we've said, and they, and Alex Wood that they had in the past, along with a bunch of other pitchers that they could just dig into. And now with the trade they did make with the Angels, they lost Ross Tripling, who was probably their best reliever last year in that deal. I'm not really sure why they made that trade. It might have been a money thing only. It was, it was mostly money, and also Jock Peterson was not going to get much playing time. That's fair. Who's it? What's their outfield now look like? Well, I mean, it's Pollock, Betts, and Bellinger. Yeah, that's true. Pollock is fine. But he, yeah, he's he's. I agree, he's good. But he, I mean, he's getting, and he's also getting paid a little more. Yeah, well, Peterson is very good, but he can't hit lefties, which is the issue. Yeah, and so Pollock was probably more likely to just get more playing time. Yeah. But yeah, when you have Jock Peterson as a guy you just bring off your bench to hit against righties, that's a phenomenal guy to bring off your bench. But I understand that it might have been maybe a little too rich, and they wanted to replenish. But Ross Stripling actually had a really good year last year. Ross Stripling has quite in the same in the same way that someone like Will Harris or whoever has gone under the radar as a really good reliever. A lot. Of, I have a lot of them. That, yeah. Yeah. So Ross Stripling was one of those guys, and losing him in the deal for Louis Renfi- Louis Renfigo. Renhifo. Renhifo. Ren- yes. Renhifo was a little strange of a move. I feel like if you really want to get rid of Jock, quote unquote, get rid of Jock Peterson, you can do it without also giving up a piece of your already relatively shaky bullpen. I mean, having to go to Kershaw in the playoffs as a reliever already knowing... They they did not have to. They did not have to, but they chose to already knowing uh, the issues that he's had as far as postseason performance so far. Whether or not it's actually... Whether or not it's just random noise or whatever. I feel like the Dodgers do need to have a deeper bullpen, especially with Kenley Jansen really being shaky last year. He was only shaky in the second half, but they... But the second half was... What remains in people's minds yeah. because that it well, remember kept going into the playoffs. They got Blake Trinan, yeah, um, from Oakland, and they got Jimmy Nelson. Jimmy Nelson should be good. Blake Trinan. The question is whether he is actually the reliever he was two years ago, where he was one of the best closers in baseball. If he's more like last year, where he was much more wild, he just had a bad year overall, and the A's ended up not being able to trust him. Another thing that the Dodgers have done in the past. Is another guy is turned to another guy they've traded, Kenta Maeda, who was phenomenal in relief, especially yes, in the playoffs. Very much. But they gave him up in order to be able to get the Bruce Star Gratterall piece to send to the Red Sox. Honestly, if I'm the Red Sox, I almost I won't say I would because maybe maybe doesn't fit the timeline, but Maeda almost makes more sense with that Red Sox team as a guy who you can actually put into your rotation or put into the bullpen as a long man or whatever you need. And instead, you get Gratterall, who might be good, but has had Tommy John surgery and has had, honestly, a host of injuries. And like we saw, I think it was tweeted about this morning. Well, I just want to say, Maeda's 31. That's true. Yeah, like I said, he's he might not be on your timeline, but at the same time, someone like Gratterall is by no means a sure thing. With Although, with Maeda, I feel like you probably still have a decent chance at the wild card if Kenta Maeda is the third or fourth guy in your rotation or one of the better guys in your bullpen. Do you agree? I don't. Yeah, you'd rather have a prospect? I'd much rather have a prospect. We have, like, no... I'm looking at fan graphs right now, and we have nobody that is above a 50 as far as future value goes. Yeah. Okay, so here's a question I've got for you. They made this trade with the Dodgers. We all know that Chaim Bloom 
who the Red Sox hired this offseason, and Andrew Friedman used to work with the Rays. Yes. And so it makes sense that the Dodgers and Red Sox would do a kind of trade like this, especially when they know each other. But here's my question. The Padres were also seen as being in on Mookie Betts, and they have just as good of a depth of prospects to draw from as the Dodgers do, if not better. Why not trade him to the Padres instead? You take him away from a contender, at least for this year, and you probably get better prospects out of it because I don't think that Verdugo and Gratterall were the best they could do by any means. Do you think they would have parted with Mackenzie Gore? Probably not, right? Maybe Taylor Trammell? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, those are those are the two big ones right there. So the question is, would... I mean, the Padres have a wealth of prospects. They also have... I mean, they also have... Let me... Let's see. You could... What you could do is, I don't know, maybe ask for Taylor Trammell. They still have Francisco Mejia. Yeah. Who is... Eh. He's trying. But at the same time, wouldn't it'd be just as good to get someone like Tramel and Mejia and maybe one of their, like, from their depth of prospects, where they have a lot of guys who are 50, 55, future value kind of guys. Wouldn't it make a lot of sense to They do have a lot them? of 50 and 55s. Yeah. But another th- thing that's interesting to note is the equivalent to Verdugo on the Padre side was Will Myers. Yeah. Which is... Trent Grisham? What? No. No? No. Will Myers, Will Myers is, uh, the prospect sheen has definitely worn off Will Myers, I think we can say, a long he's 20, time ago. He's 29. He's, he's sort of a replica of, I would say, Benintendi, almost. Yeah. Except Benintendi's a little older. He'd been in the league a little longer. And Verdugo has, they, they, they both finished around the same in war, I think, last year. Verdugo and Benintendi? Yeah. Benintendi's only 25. Yeah. Well, Verdugo's only 23. It's a very lefty-heavy outfield, which I guess is the only place you can really put a lefty besides first base, but still. Verdugo's 20, almost 24. Almost 24. He really cooled off in the second half, though. He was among, he was like al- almost, it seemed like, possibly going to be a rookie of the year candidate. He was hitting above 300 for most of the season. That's true. He was and in the conversation with Finished, Alonso. finished at 294. Yeah. But it's fair to say that he could have just hit the rookie wall. So I wouldn't be hoping from that. What do you think this means for baseball overall? Because it is the red, like I know you say that it wasn't about money, but the Red Sox are a team that probably could have afforded Mookie Betts, and if they wanted to pay Mookie Betts his money, then there's no real issue with that. Do you think it's just they were like, oh, we'll pay Devers in a few years and we'll pay Bogarts in a few years, but just so we don't have to pay Mookie Betts an extra five million dollars? It wasn't about just Mookie Betts. It was about I hate to keep going back to this, but also Dodgers are eating half of Price's remaining salary. Yeah, but the Red Sox are eating the other half of Price's remaining salary. That's half as much as they were. At the same, like, you're really not saving all them. Maybe this return, I think, makes more sense if it's just... Well, you're not, you're not only saving money, but you're earning... See, a penny saved is a penny earned, so you're earning money to use in other players, you know, less expensive players that you can help build a more of a core around. Obviously, we have the core of Devers I guess, and Bogarts and Benintendi, I, I guess. I guess my question is, let's say that the scenario happens where you lose a couple first-round draft picks because you're in the luxury tax, because you sign bets to a big deal. Would you rather have Mookie Betts in his 28, 29, 30 years or, a couple, or some first-round picks that would most likely be near the end of the first round? It's a... Like, it's a good question, right? Because Mookie Betts gives you the possibility of being a good enough team to go to the World Series. Of course, just having an outfield of Mookie Betts' caliber isn't always worth it, as you've seen from the Nationals with Bryce Harper or 
specifically the Angels' Mike Trout. But at the same time, it makes your team a lot better, especially when you have such a good team around him. That you almost wonder that if the Red Sox had been healthy, if this, if everything in their bullpen, like I don't know, if Heath Hen- if Heath Hembry is better or something like that, it almost makes you wonder that the Red Sox might have had a legitimate chance to make the playoffs this year. They probably would have made the playoffs this year, even though it would have been kind of competitive because there are a lot of teams in competition for the wild card spots. I disagree. They their roster got worse. What do you mean? From last year. I mean they they lost Porcello, replaced him with Martin Perez. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's it's not great. They only won 84 games last year. But my question is more like you you got Mookie for one more year. Why not try to maximize that one year instead of trading him for a guy who's going to be a decent player but doesn't really have star potential? Because then you don't get anything when he leaves. You still get a first round pick out of it. Or a second round pick. Yeah. The compensation is always a little complicated. But I don't know. I guess as a Red Sox fan, the fact that you're fine with it is a good thing. I'm not well. You're, you're. I'm not, not fine with it, but I can see why they did it. Yeah, it, I guess in your view, it wasn't just to save money. It was also to maybe push the team's window a couple years down the road. But what if Devers isn't the same a couple years down the road? What if Bogarts isn't the same? J.D. Martinez is clearly probably. It might not be past his prime, but at the very least, he's not going to be the same kind of hitter that he is now in a couple years' time. I mean, Bogarts is 27, Devers is 23. Do you bank on like signing someone like George Springer next year in free agency there, as a bets replacement? We don't need a bets replacement. We already have three, if not four, outfielders. I don't really think Bradley – we've given Bradley too many chances. Yeah. Eh. He, he does not seem like he can hit consistently. So you mostly punt on the se- – you don't punt on the season, but you give lower stakes to the season. Maybe like around the deadline, if things are looking interesting, you might swing a trade for someone. But this season for the Red Sox is sort of like a reloading year almost. Yeah. It, it's, it's not a rebuilding? It's, it's not rebuilding because we still have, we're still like ar- going to be around 500. It's, yeah. a, it's a reload for one or two years later yeah. when we can ac- accumulate a few prospects and a few pieces for pitching. Of course, this is all conjecture. hypothetical conjecture, yeah. Yeah, I guess my question is nothing is ever guaranteed in baseball. No one knows if Devers is still going to be the same player. Not even in the money. Years. Yeah. Well, no, the money is always guaranteed in baseball. That's the one thing. That's the one thing about baseball. The contracts are always guaranteed. Um, but nothing is ever guaranteed in baseball. And so deciding that you don't want to – it's not – I struggle to say with saying that you don't want to compete because they clearly are – it's not that they're selling off their teams in the way of an Orioles or – White Sox or Tigers or something of that matter. They still they're keeping most of their guys. They're just selling a guy a year before he hits free agency. Because in our case, most of our guys are young. Exactly, but the question is, you're almost sacrificing a year of them turning into their primes. You're like, what? What if Rafael Devers gets eight WAR this year for the Red Sox and Mookie Betts gets eight WAR this year for the Dodgers and the Red Sox finish a couple games out of the wild card? Even where they had a strong team, but Mookie Best definitely would have put them over the top and over the top instead of starting someone like Jackie Bradley Jr. Are you guys going to start Jackie Bradley Jr.? You yes, got, unfortunately are. we are. Yeah. Boo. Yikes. I don't want to. I don't want to hate on Jackie Bradley Jr. because he's just a defensive wizard. Jackie Bradley Jr. is one of the best defensive outfielders in baseball, but unfortunately he's never been able to hit except for one very, very conveniently timed ALCS. Yes, I agree with that. 
So what I'm saying is you're sort of t taking your team, you're definitely removing your team's ceiling for a year. And I don't know in baseball if you should be doing that when you can't really ever count on it. I agree. There was there was still like a chance that, you know, unlike in like basketball where like the lower seeds never really seem to do anything past the first or even second round. Yeah. Like baseball is a whole different thing where, you know, you could see a wild card like the Nationals this this past year or, or the, the Cardinals or, or the, 2011 or the, or the Giants in 2014. Yeah. They could they have a good chance of winning it if they get hot. Yeah, and what the Red Sox have done is basically take let's just say it they've taken themselves out of the equation and they're probably going to finish a lot more similar to the record this past year than the record that they might have hoped, which is winning 90 something games in uh more of a talent I wouldn't say talent depressed American League even though a lot of talent has gone to the NL but more of a talent top heavy very very specifically top heavy where the Yankees are really the only team who you can probably pencil in as winning 100 games yes probably write that in pen yeah everyone else maybe they'll win 95 they might win 95 just because of how everything is but there's gonna be we talked on the pod uh, a couple months ago about how the Rangers looked to be the only team that was going to finish uh, within a few games of with a Pythagorean, Pythagorean record within 10 games of 500. It didn't quite end up being like that, but it was relatively close. I feel like it's going it's, to be about the same situation this year. I think it's going to be a very different situation this year. I, th I still think we're only going to have one team that's like borderline 500. I think that the Angels are going to be better. I think the A's are going to be a little worse. I think the Rangers are going to be better. I think the White Sox are going to be better. None of, I mean, they're sort of doing the thing where they might not win uh, 95 games, but I think we're going to have a lot of teams win in the 75 to 85 range, which isn't something we've had as much in years past. And I think that the Red Sox are sort of shooting themselves in, themselves in the foot almost and not taking advantage of that. Because outside, yeah, like outside of the Rays, the Twins, the Ashes, and the Yankees, and you can pro almost guarantee that at least one of those teams isn't going to be as good as expectations are for the upcoming season because that always happens. I don't know if I agree with the Red Sox trading bets at a time like this and sort of removing their chance at competing for the World Series. Anything can happen. Anything can happen, you're and right. You, and you sort of remove the variance, I guess. Yeah. Hope, you, hopes, uh, for me as a fan, hopes weren't high even when we had bets. Um after the year, after 2019. That's perfectly fair. And if the solution is, if the solution legitimately is wait till next year, pay someone just as much as you would have paid Mookie Betts, but instead in the rotation and the bullpen instead of the lineup, then I guess that makes a degree, the modicum of sense. But at the same time, I'm a little worried that the Red Sox um, just aren't going to be able to compete this year, even though they had a great chance to. And, yeah, I think that about wraps it up for our Mookie Betts talk. Next, we're going to bring on Mike Petriello. This season, we've seen some definite player movement. And so there's – but also just some guys who I think could break out, some guys who we projected to break out over the last several seasons. Maybe they haven't. Maybe they have. But so I made a list. I think I'm not sure. I, I have a list. Sam did two of players that we thought were going to break out this year. And Sam, why don't you get me started with your first one? All right. One guy that I knew was going to break out was Cattell Marte. 
Cattell Marte. Cattell Marte, Kmart, as I like to call him. He was in the thick of the MVP race up until he missed the last few games of the season. Um, he finished with a war over seven, an OPS of 981 yeah. to go along with 32 homers and 92 RBIs, 10 stolen bases for the Diamondbacks, um, hitting right next to another guy who I think is very underrated, who I'll talk about later. But yeah, Cattell Marte, part of the Diamondbacks team that really has stayed you know, above 80 wins for very for a very long time. You know, they traded Paul Goldschmidt, and it seemed like that was their admit, admission of defeat and, like, you know what? They we're, weren't going to try anymore. We're not going to try. But somehow they've managed to stay competitive for the second wild card for a while. Yeah. And they didn't quite make it. The Dodgers are very good in their division, so there wasn't much of a chance. But the, um, of the rest of the teams in that division, I would say I think they definitely have the best chance to be good. The Padres, they should be good, but they've sort of been underachieving for a while. Wait, I would well, say. What do you what do you think about the NL West this year? Do you think any other teams other than the Dodgers have a chance? Um, the Rockies, I don't really think so. The Padres, like we've talked about this on the pod before, I think that they could be one of the better teams, but their prospects really haven't been quite, I don't know, living up to the hype besides Tatis Jr., who was hurt. What do you think, Mike, about the NL West? Well, I think it's the Dodgers and everybody else, right? Yeah. I mean, as we sit here today, we don't actually know if the Mookie Betts trade is going to go through. I mean, it will probably, but yeah. it hasn't yet. Um, and it it's weird to say because he's probably the second best player in baseball and on a Hall of Fame trajectory. It doesn't even really matter that much if they get him or, or not for the next six months. I mean, they're going to be wildly favored to win the division no matter what. Yeah, and works. maybe the difference is whether they win by, I don't know, 18 games or 20 games. Yeah. But it entirely matters about if he can help them win uh, in October. Do you think the Padres have a chance to compete with the Diamondbacks for around 80, 85 wins? Maybe you can beat the uh, second wild card. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I, I would I would take the Diamondbacks over the Padres, but, you know, yeah. the Padres have a lot of variants. You know, if Chris Paddock is really an ace, and if Manny Machado, you know, plays like he used to, and if Fernando Tatis uh, can clean up his defense and stay healthy, and if Drew Pomerantz really is like the fire-breathing reliever we saw over a couple months. Like, sure, it just it requires a lot of things to go right. Um, Eric Hosmer doing anything would be a big Yeah, help. you know, actually um, contributing. It, right. So, sure, it just, you know, they don't have the margin for error that the Dodgers do. The Dodgers miss Clayton Kershaw for like six weeks every year and nobody yeah. even notices. Uh, the Padres can't really have much go wrong and they need a lot to go right. Of course, with the Dodgers, there still is a little degree of variance because they are a lot less deep than they've been in years past. They got rid of Maeda. They lost Ryu. I mean, we don't know if they're actually going to lose Maeda because the Bruce Star thing might not happen as it is right now, like you said. But I'm not sure the Dodd and they their bullpen is also a lot shakier than it's been in years past, especially with Jansen coming off of at least an off uh, half season, if not an entire off season, and definitely. A well, I think that's really true. Strong. I think it, I'm not sure it matters that much right now. Of course, it doesn't matter quite uh, as much. They'll get to division. July and they'll see what they need. <laughs> you know, that's the benefit of being so far ahead of everybody else. Of course, yeah, that's what the Astros and, to a lesser degree, the Yankees and the Red Sox had have been able to do in years past. But the Dodgers haven't really bit the bullet as much as other teams have. And when they did with someone like you, Darvish, it didn't quite work out in the end. Yeah, there's never any guarantee with that sort of thing but it is funny when people say they haven't really tried their best to win it's like well they got darvish and they got machado and they got rich hill and josh reddick and 
you know, we'll never really know how much they're impacted by what the Astros and Red Sox did in the World Series. Of course. Uh, I, think, yeah. I think most fan bases, you know, not, not maybe the teams that have won multiple times, but I'm sure a lot of fan bases would be a lot happier uh, being where the Dodgers have been for the last seven years. Yeah. I mean, when you go to the World Series, that's already an accomplishment in and of itself. But a season like last year obviously was a disappointment, losing in the Nationals, especially in the fashion that they did. But I think it sort of showed that their bullpen was a little bit shaky when they went to Clayton Kershaw for that extra inning instead of just keeping him in for a couple of batters to end, uh, to end the inning off. And so I do worry them about them a little bit, although, like you said, it won't matter for much this season, especially in their division. But one of the divisions I think is going to be the most interesting this year is probably the NL East. I'm relatively high on the Braves. I think they have a couple of players who could really break out. What do you guys think about the NL East as it stands? Mike, you can go first on this one. Well, I think it's a four-team race. I'm pretty down on the Nationals, I think, mm-hmm. um, even though I think Juan Soto is like a superstar god yep. because you know they lost Rendon and they didn't really replace him. And if you think about how they won last year, they got a lot of mileage out of, uh, you know, look at all of look at all us old guys being old school, and that's great, but it's sort of hard to bet on that happening again now that those old guys are another year older. Uh, I love Strasburg, but you're going to stay healthy again all year. You know, to be start to see the beginning of Scherzer not being able to stay healthy all year, is, is the bullpen going to be any good? Um, so you know, there's still a lot of big, bold-faced names there, but I'm not that high in them. Um, I hate to say this, like, I don't want to be a glutton for punishment or a total fool, but I sort of am talking myself into the Mets, which I realize is uh. the best way to be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I will until the Mets actually overperform. I will never expect them to meet their expectations. Because, right, correctly so. Yeah, if you look at the Fangraphs uh, WAR projections right now, the Mets are like the second best team in the National League behind the Dodgers. Yeah, the over-unders, over-unders are around like 86 and 87 wins. Yeah, I mean, they've got, you know, I know everything that went wrong, um, but also Pete Alonzo and Jeff McNeil being legit and J.D. Davis, uh, that's a lot that went right. Too, yeah. You know, so if, if DeGrom is, you know, still who he is, and if, if Edwin Diaz is even a league average pitcher, um, he was... that'll help. They didn't they didn't help this themselves this year by letting Wheeler go, but, you know, there's still so much talent there. Yeah, and Edwin Diaz was still phenomenal when people swung at his stuff. He was almost as unhittable as Josh Hader. His whip percentage of was, I think, 39%. Hader's, who was the best in the major leagues, was at 42%. So if he can control uh, what he has and behave a lot more like he did when he was in, uh, when he was in Seattle then that immediately changes what was a terrible part of their team to a great part of their team. And don't forget, Dylan Potensis. Yes, of course. So the bullpen should be better, but at the same time, if you have... I mean, if Diaz meets those expectations, like you, we said... You also still have Seth Lugo, yeah. who finally like figured out you know the spin the spin rate curveball. Yeah. You know. Seth Lugo was very good last year. What about the Phillies? The Phillies are a team... I know you wrote about Zach Wheeler. I think who you think maybe not the next Garrett Cole, but at least someone who could benefit from changing maybe his repertoire up a little bit. One guy I sort of pegged as, again, not the next Garrett Cole, but another guy who could benefit from changes his pitches up a little bit is Jake Arrieta, who he had a 464 ERA last year. But at the same time, he still has a spin rate of 2766 on average on his curveball. So... 
he's someone who he had a two two oh four batting average against a curveball last year. His ex woba against it was two forty eight, but he only threw it thirteen percent of the time. And his fastball, which was better than his sinker, he only threw that around thirteen percent of the time too. So the question is is Jake Ar- could you have Jake Arietta and Zach Wheeler both not break out because Arietta has a Cy Young under his belt, but change the Phillies uh, rotation around along with Aaron Nola? I'm pretty out on Jake Arietta. Yeah. Uh, if you look at his strikeout rate, it you know he peaked in 14 or 15 or whatever his great year was, and it's been straight downhill ever since. Right? That's true. Bossy's down. He's older. You know, arm issues. Uh, I'm not saying he's bad or he can't be competent, but as far as being like a, a plus or above average, I'm, uh, he's like a fourth starter for me right now. And um, I think they need more than that. I mean, getting Wheeler was great. Uh, getting Gregorius might be great if he is the guy he was three years ago, not the guy he was last year when he came back from surgery. Yeah. Um, I, I I worry about their pitching. I mean, the bullpen they made no additions. And Hector Neris is still year, the top of that bullpen, which is not that daunting. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that Gabe Kapler did a great job because I don't think he did. But also, I don't think it was Gabe Kapler's fault. Like the entire opening day bullpen got hurt or exploded. You know, yeah. like Joe Girardi can't fix those problems. Yeah, I think I chose the Phillies last year as a World Series team, and they underperformed so much that I'm basically out on the Phillies. They they have a decent top three if all of them are healthy and all of them perform. Arietta, Wheeler, Nola, but then you get Velasquez and Zach Eflin as your four and five. If Velasquez is healthy, he's been effective in the past. Again, if he's healthy, and it's just a very loose last two spots in the in the rotation. Yeah. So I don't see them being able to compete with the Nationals or the Braves. Let's talk about the Braves because they're the team that everyone is trying to chase in the NL East. Yeah. They made some serious additions in the offseason, but they made but they lost some even more impactful players. They lost Donaldson. They lost uh, a couple members of the rotation. They lost Dallas Keuchel. But uh, while they gained Cole Hamels and Marcelo Zuna. I'm a little high on Marcelo Zuna, but what do you have to say, Mike? Um, Marcelo Zuna scares me a little bit. First of all, I don't think he's capable of playing the outfield anymore. Negative uh, yeah. 8 OAA last year. Yeah. Yeah, he was a weird guy because I think he was like a slight plus with DRS and a couple years ago. or whatever. But I think he won a gold glove in the past, did he not? He was he was he did. plus yeah. 3 a couple years ago, yeah. yeah. I think even this year, the other metrics had him as like at least around average, and I looked into it, and it's not so much that he made a lot of errors as it was. Uh, there were a lot of balls that bounced like five feet away from him that he probably should have had. And then as far as the hitting goes, you know, the, I think a lot of people think he got unlucky because he still hits the ball hard, and I just don't think that's true. I think he just hits it hard uh, on the ground and in a way where people can be positioned against him very well. Yeah. So he's only been like 8% above average the last two years, which is fine, um, but... I don't know. The Braves are probably my pick to win that division, but I, I worry about the defense because Morozuna is a bad thing unless Josh Donaldson is a bad thing because he was a really good third baseman last year. Who do you, who do you think is going to get the reps at third base? Do you think it's going to be Riley or do you think it's going to be Camargo? I think it's going to be Camargo because I don't think Riley can make enough contact. Yeah. I think people blew up his whole uh, outlook when he came on and mashed for like six weeks, and then you realized he had so much swing and miss it was going to be hard for that to actually sustain. Yeah. I disagree with you a little bit on Ozuna. Just, you, well, you did say that, yeah, he's a hard, he hits the ball hard, but it seems like he hits the ball at guys. He was actually one of the least shifted on players in baseball last year. He was only shifted on in 12% of his plate appearances. 
like we said. Well, yeah, but positioning doesn't have to be shifting, though. That's know? fair. It, you could just be hitting it at guys. But at the same yeah. time, sometimes that does, that does have to do with just luck. The difference between his Woba and his expected Woba was the highest in all of baseball. And while he might be the kind of guy who that just is like that every year because he's maybe not the fastest guy, his sprint speed still hasn't dipped, which is which makes you question maybe he also did get just get a little unlucky in fielding balls last year because he's been so good in the past. So uh, Wait, I'm going to disagree with you right back on that one because I think I tweeted this out a couple weeks ago that his sprint speed has dropped, like his percentile ranking, like, Four years in a row, so it's not by like a lot, but I, I do think he has been getting slightly slower. It just doesn't seem like he's healthy. Gotcha. Yeah, he wasn't that healthy last year. It just the sprint speed dropped didn't seem to be too much, and he still did have the 18th highest exit velocity in all of baseball, which is higher than someone like Juan Soto, J.D. Martinez, D.J. LeMahieu, guys like that. So I was. It could be that he's just is getting slower, and that sort of takes him out of the equation as a good fielder. But it's also. Maybe not probable, but at least possible that he just got a little unlucky last season. Yeah, yeah, I, he's gonna have to prove it. I'm not, I'm not so sure that that's true, but okay. if he proves us wrong, then Braves fans are pretty happy. Oh yeah, I can imagine. What do you think about that pitching staff? Because I think if everything goes right, they could have five really good starters. Um, I think Braves fans are. Well, I agree with you. First of all, let me say that they've got a lot of really good young talent. Yeah. Um, you know, if everything goes right, is true for like every team in baseball. Yeah. But I think that that's fair because they really I, I like uh, Max Freed a lot, and I like Fulton Avich a lot. A lot. Uh, I think Braves fans are a little too high in Mike Soroka. No, uh, this this reminds me a little bit of a year ago when every Rocky fan in the world thought Kyle Freeland was going to be like the next greatest thing forever, and next thing you know, he has a seventy RA. Yeah, well, I mean, doing that at core is obviously a little different than, yeah. than where Soroka is, but I'm always super wary of these guys who come in and have this like one great run prevention year based on, uh, you know, presenting hard hit contact and missing like no bats. That's you know, an, that, that is a it's hard an profile. It's an important thing to note that he was not, you know, a strikeout per inning guy. Yeah, he's he's definitely more of a contact pitch to contact guy. Yeah. Right. So I don't think he'll be bad or anything, but I, I do think he'll be somewhat worse than he was this past year. I think I agree with you on Soroka. That 2.6 ERA was very good, but he outperformed his expected batting average, the expected WOBA in pretty much all respects by a relatively significant amount. So, well, he might end up with like, I don't know, 3.2, maybe a 3.5 this year. I do like the back end of the rotation because it's a lot of young guys, some of whom did underperform in Fulton Evich, even though you could say that two years ago he might have just been outperforming. But it's a lot of guys who, just as they mature, could be better pitchers for that team. Yeah, and I really like Cole Hamels um, for a year. Obviously, yeah. he's not the guy he once was, but you'd be pretty confident you'll get 160, you know, yeah. average to slightly above average innings, and that's pretty good. Like a Wade Miley last year before he imploded for the Astros. I would I would equate it more to his former rotation mate John Lester, who seems to just not really. He's taking a very slow decline, almost not that much of a decline in his production. Yeah, we could see it like that. One other guy I wanted to ask you about was Dansby Swanson, who sort of had a mini breakout last year, but he really didn't end up that high uh, on WRC+. He was round average for the year, and he was kind of in bad shape after he got injured and missed a month, so which was def- easily the worst month of his season. But So I, when I was looking at the Ozuna stuff, the difference between the WOBA and the ex-WOBA, Dansby Swanson was the only guy in the top 10 who's actually fast. He's got a 28.7 uh, sprint spe- uh, feet per second for his sprint speed, 
and he was 29.4 in 2018, which was top 25 in baseball. Like Ozuna, he doesn't really get shifted on. He lowered his chase rate by six percentage points last year, and he, yeah, like I said, he was great over the first few months, and he just dipped late, and possibly was just feeling the after effects from that. And he was a terrific defensive shortstop. Yeah, I haven't looked into him that closely, but I remember that he like doubled his barrel rate last year. Yeah. Like, all the underlying indicators are really good. You know, hard hit went up. Um, you know, I don't think his strikeout rate went up with it, which is really a good thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, you keep waiting for that one great season, and it just really hasn't happened yet. Like I think you said, he's done it for a couple weeks at a time. Yeah. Um, he's still young. Like I could see it happening this year. I don't. I'm not out on him yet, but you know, I, I rated recently for MLB Network like my top ten shortstops, and he definitely was not in that mix just because we haven't quite seen it yet. And there's a lot of other good shortstops out yeah, there. Yeah, we have a glut of good shortstops. Yeah. In Major League Baseball right now, even if someone like Correa doesn't say have the say has doesn't have the same sheen as he once did which is crazy to think about because he's still pretty young exactly yeah let's he's move the same, there's the same age i think Swanson yeah and Correa. yeah or let, at let, least within a year let's move to the nl central and i'm dying to know what an unbiased voice thinks about my take that i've been holding on to for at least a year at least a year the cincinnati reds are coming and they're coming soon well, they're coming from the 75 wins they had last year. I mean, I know, think they have a great chance to win a wild card spot. I think they have a chance to win the division. Yeah, I mean, well, that a lot also of... says something about the rest of the teams in the division. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I'm going to ask you this guys the same question. This is somewhat related, I promise. Uh, I've been asking everybody in baseball, and everybody says I'm nuts. I think the Pirates are going to lose 105 games this year. I think they're. Oh yeah, I don't see it, that being out of the question now. Yeah. Uh, the pirate yeah, says, "Oh, they'll, they'll lose ninety-two or whatever." Their but. pirates are so bad. Like the only reason they might not lose a hundred games is because everyone else in the division is just going to win between like eighty and eighty-eight. But they're a really bad team. If they, if like Archer and Polanco are bad, they'll be terrible. And if they're good, they'll just get traded. Yes, yeah. it won't matter. But anyway, to your question about the Reds, like last year, the Reds did a lot in the winter, and everybody was all stoked about it. And I remember saying, "Yeah, that, that was fun." Like good on them for being motivated but i don't actually think they're any good and i picked them fourth and they finished fourth and then this year i like the moves they've made a little bit better yeah uh, and again it's it's part of it is moving forward by the fact that everybody else is moving backwards um yes the, Car- the cardinals left the door open in this division by not and the, really doing and the cubs too obviously yeah. like, and the and the brewers they didn't stand still they made a lot of moves i just they don't like them yeah them. exactly um the reds are better no doubt right like the offense is a huge problem last year and even though Castellanos and Mustakas are sort of weird fits on the roster, uh, that'll help. My my concern about the Reds is actually the pitching, because if all those starters have good years, then they're going to be a great team, right? Yeah. But you know, Sonny Gray is not a guy I usually bet on. He's super up and down. Or Trevor um, Bauer. Or well, yeah, Bauer had that one great year, and he was really bad after he got traded last year. Yeah. And you know, I love Luis Castillo, you know, but he's kind of had like a great year and a May year and a good year. So you could certainly see all three of those guys being really good and the Reds being phenomenal. Um, but it's that's a little hard for me to bet on just because those guys have been pretty inconsistent. And now Suarez is hurt, and I don't know what to expect from Joey Votto. And um, the outfield is like full of talent and just also full of questions. You know, none of those guys outside of Castellanos has ever had a full productive major league season. Like, obviously, Akiyama was in Japan, but yep. he still has to prove it, you know? They're saying that Akiyama might hit leadoff. Is that, is that actually going to happen? Well, it would make sense. I mean, you're not going to put either Vistakis or yeah. Castellanos lead off, and uh, Galvis isn't much of a hitter. And I mean, maybe Nick Sunzel, but he hasn't really proven he can hit either. So that, that makes sense to me. 
It's a lineup with a lot of guys who you see is between like like a three or a five or a six kind yeah. of hitter. It's not a lot of speedy guys in that team besides maybe Senzel, but or Fugama. But one guy who I who really caught my eye last season, and I think has he was drafted in 2011, which was a great draft overall. You have players like Lindor, you have Garrett Cole uh, in that draft. But Robert Stevenson was near the end of the first round that year, and he had what sort of amounted to a breakout year last year in the bullpen where he's just kind of made everything simpler. He had learned a new pitch a couple years ago, which was one of the best pitches in baseball, his new slider, and he had a 376 ERA last year. But he was actually one of the best. He might have been one of the best relievers in baseball last year, and those might have even undersold him a little bit. He had a hard hit percentage of only of 26.8%. He had a 30.9% K percentage. Uh, his slider... He you between 2016 through 2018 he threw around an average of 15 percent of the time, and he upped that to 55 percent of the time. And it's got one of the best spin rates in baseball. And he apparently I read an article on the Athletic that said he learned he decided to start throwing his pitches differently. He used I don't really know what this means since I'm not a pitcher, but Sam is like a reverse C motion when he was gripping it. Yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. And which he said allowed him for more control. It's tough to describe that on a podcast, but I do know what he's saying. Yeah. And so Fangraphs mentioned in 2017, oh, this pitch that Robert Stevenson throws is one of the best pitches in baseball. It's like on there, up there with Chris Sale and Justin Verlander in their best pitches. And so he's the kind of guy who I think might have a breakout, maybe be, be even become their closer or at the very least a Ryan Presley type for the Reds. And... It would probably be my uh, my sneaky projection to make the All Star team this year. Yeah, I can see that. I really like how he became one of those guys who started throwing his slider like sixty percent of the time last year. Yeah, yeah. He's throwing sliders or fastballs ninety four percent. He's gotten over eleven strikeouts per nine innings. Whip whip was very low, one oh four. Whip um, very above, above average. ERA plus it was one twenty one. And this was in 57 games and 64 and two-thirds innings. Yeah, he's not he's not a starter anymore. No, they tried him at starters. Uh, They've tried a lot of their bullpen guys as starters, yeah. honestly. They've got Lorenzen in the bullpen. Um, just yeah, It's a, sort of a bullpen of failed starters, which is sort of how bullpens exist in the first place. Yeah. But you sort of get to see it happen live with them. So they're an interesting team to watch. What about the Cardinals or the Brewers or the Cubs? So the Brewers I really want to talk about because – they made so many moves this offseason. And they lost see, a lot of guys. Lost a lot of guys, gained a lot of guys, but it's but I I agree with you, it's very much I think a loss of talent. Well, they lost Grandal, who's yep, depending on how you value framing, is one of the top twenty five or so players in baseball, I think. Um, and so that's a net negative, even though nobody's gonna hit a little bit, and they lost Mustakis and uh, they almost Literally don't have a third baseman, <laughs> yeah, which is a little concerning. I do like Woodruff and Adrian Hauser a lot. Yep. that's that's good. But after um, that, you don't really have much of a starting many starting yeah. pitchers. I'm I'm willing to give them just like a little bit of extra credit because like every year the projections seem to underrate them. Yeah, and they they always seem to, you know, whether it's uh, Hater or or the bullpen or, or somebody, they always seem to do something right. So you know, I like the front office. I like the way they run. Obviously, Yelich uh, is a god. Yep, but you know. If, if Lorenzo Cain doesn't bounce back, you know, if if Orlando Arcia or Luis Arias doesn't take over that shortstop job, I, I, I have a lot of concerns about the depth in this team. Yeah, yeah. They they seem to have they, – they traded – okay, so 
the Smoke and Travis Shaw thing. What, I just don't get the point of that. They're basically the same player at, at different positions. Yeah, they just both just hit the ball really high up into the air and it doesn't come down well, that far away. Sort of. I mean, I like Shaw better as a player because he can play third base, but yeah. also he was like not a major league hitter last year, where yeah. at least Smoke was his usual kind of like league average-ish. Yeah. You, it, the 2018 Brewers just had tons of players who caught lightning in a bottle that year, like Shaw and Aguilar. Eric Thames. Eric Thames. Just, yep. So I think as as rough it, as it is, that was their actual shot to win it all. And the last image of the ball getting by Trent Grisham in the wild card game this is, is the beginning of the end yeah. of this iteration. That's a, that's a pretty grim thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it. I guess I phrased it weirdly, but I I think it's true. I mean, they're yeah, not it, getting any... They don't, they they're don't, already sort of on their last legs as that team anyway because Yelich because was out for the rest of the season. Yeah. So they weren't really... They definitely weren't going to beat the Dodgers unless a miracle happened. Well, I mean, the Nationals beat the Dodgers. Yeah, but the Nationals and actually it, had a good front of their rotation. Yeah, and the Nationals, they it took until the last game to actually do something. But, yeah... I also agree with you the Brewers aren't quite going to get there. The Cardinals are the weirdest team, I think, to place because it seems like they overperformed last year, but they sort of just did it with defense and uh, players just running and also players like McCullis and Dakota Hudson having what we have to assume is the season of their lives. But is it repeatable, do you think? Well, sort of. I mean, you could see a scenario where uh, – Dylan Carlson comes up and pounds the ball and gives them the bat they need. You know, or Paul Goldschmidt bounces back or something like that. I mean, I think there's a lot of talent here. I, I would put them near the top of the rota- uh, the division because I, I do like their bullpen a lot. Uh, I guess I like the defense a lot. And outfield's still just terrifying. <laughs> like, they yeah. did not get the, the bat they needed. Like, the offense wasn't good last year. The defense was horrible. Like it had... might actually be worse this year. Yeah, they had Jose Martinez and... Marcelo Zuna in corner outfield spots. Well, those are guys are both gone now. So yeah, I know. Well, exactly. The defense has to improve by at least having a person standing there. So now they're they're slated to start Fowler, Edmund, and Bader in the outfield. Bader, which... if Bader bounces back, then that's something they were sorely misses, missing last year because he was not very good. I know Cardinals fans just love him. I, I can't see it. Yeah, he was good in 2018. They project uh, he was projected for a breakout in 2019, and something that just never came. But he, he strikes me as Byron Buxton or Gregory Polanco. I'm getting very much the vibe that we're going to wait for him to break out for seven years, and then he's never going to do it. I think that makes a lot of sense. They're going, of course, going to compete to the, for the division. I assume Flaherty is still going to be one of the better pitchers in baseball, even if he's not uh, the next iteration of Bob Gibson. But they should be. They should be predicted as the division winners, unless I don't think the Cubs are really going to do all that much. They have too many holes in their team. Yeah. Yeah, I do think people are going to sleep on the Cubs, though, just because they kind of hate them right now. Like, there's still a lot of good players there. There, I mean, a lot of good players, but that team doesn't inspire, doesn't inspire me. I don't think David Ross is going to, like, be that much better than Joe Madden if he's better at all. Chris Bryant hasn't really been all that great in a while. It's not 2016 anymore. Yeah. But. Yeah, uh, that's true for sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, the Cubs could win the division. I think people were had, were much higher on them in the beginning of last year than they are at this year. So there's a chance that as they underperformed last year, they might overperform this year. But I there's not really anything specific that's showing me that 
they uh, we should project them to compete for the title, or or more than just like the second wild card maybe. What about the AL? What yeah, let's go on AL West. That I think that's gonna might be the most interesting. Well, I think it's gonna have a much better race than people really project because. The one, the one thing that the Astros have had, at least in the past, is a decent... Like the Dodgers, they've had a, a good amount of depth, which has been able to sustain them even against legitimate charges from teams like the A's, or specifically the A's. But the Angels and Rangers, while they might not compete for the division title, they're at least better this year and should give them more of a fair fight in the division, even if the Mariners might not really have anything going there. Mike, do you actually think that the athletics are better than they were last year? Well, they won 97 games last year, yeah. so it's hard to project better than that, but certainly not hard to see, you know, Sean Murphy and Jesus Lazardo and uh, A.J. Puck like, all popping at the same time. Yeah. And I think this team is going to get slept on a little bit. Uh, okay. I'm one of the sleepers. I, I just don't see it with them. I look at that rotation and see a lot of question marks. I see Fires, Manaya coming off injury. Admittedly, he had a great return from injury uh, aside from the wild card start. Uh, yeah, but you have Lazardo. Lazardo and Puck are going to be really good in that bullpen. And I think they're going to start Lazardo. They're going to start Lazardo, you think? I think he'll be like four. Yeah, he was going a few innings in those relief in, uh, appearances he had last year. But well, the, the A's are going to be America's team this year, right? Everybody wants to see them take down the Astros. That's true. Yeah. It might even be the Angels. I think people might be sleeping a little nope. bit on the Angels. Nope. I know nope. they have no nope. rotation. I know they have no rotation. Well, even though they did just get Ross Stripling, which will help in their bullpen. Oh, it'll help their bullpen. But I think their offense might be legitimately good enough, and I really don't like the Astros' rotation after their one and two. Even, And I'm not sure you can even trust Granky. that I think it's going to be way closer than people predict. And I'm an Astros fan. Um, I think that's fair to say about the Astros' rotation. For all the other stuff that's happened this winter, the biggest issue they've had is losing Garrett Cole. They're yeah. not really replacing him. Yeah. They have Jose Arquiti who's going to jump in. Maybe at the four spot. I don't even know who you have at the five spot because it might be Brad Peacock. Maybe they try to go after Colin McHugh again, although I don't think that's all that likely. You might try to put Forrest Whitley in there, but none of it is all that exciting. Their biggest move was signing a reliever whose name I don't even remember. And Joe Smith. No, not Joe Smith. Uh, some other guy. They might have traded for some random guy. I don't even remember. Austin Pruitt? Austin Pruitt, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's they a part of the Ra- part of the Rays bullpen. Yeah, but maybe not the more, more memorable parts of the Rays bullpen. Yes. So, do you, Mike? Do you think the this year will be any different for the Angels? Because I really don't. I uh, I would have said no a couple of days ago, but if this trade goes through and they actually get Stripling and Jock Peterson, that gives me a little more confidence. Uh, Stripling's super valuable. I like him a lot. Yeah. But you know, they are still the third best team in that division. Yes. As far as I, I, mean, I hope not. I want to see Mike Trout in the playoffs. I mean. Exactly. I, 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 as do us all, but I'm, they're really not making an effort to significantly improve the pitching. That's fair. But at the same time, they did significantly improve the hitting. Mike Trout is going to be, I don't know, prote- protection in the lineup doesn't really seem to matter that much, but having Anthony Rendon and Jock Peterson in there along with Mike Trout instead of having Albert Pujols hit after Mike Trout has got to be better for the team. And I don't know if Joe Adele gets called up this year, but if he does for a possible playoff race, that would definitely energize the franchise. I, know the September- I hope he gets called up. I mean, yeah. I want to see him play, but, you know, he's going to get held down not just because of service time, but because he was hurt for half of last year, too. Yeah, That's true. Yeah. It's like when Correa uh, broke his leg sliding in double-A. 
and you just didn't see him for a long time after that until the following June when people thought he might get called up that's uh that September but also the rosters are going to be different in September this year the 40-man roster thing no longer exists which I think is going to be fascinating for how the games are played in September and you're going to see fewer prospects overall but uh, that's something I think we might be talking maybe more interested in as we get closer to the season especially as we get closer to the playoffs but what about the Rangers? They they got Kyle Gibson. They got Corey Kluber. They got Corey Kluber, better than Kyle Gibson. Traded away Mazzara. So uh, 20, 20 home run um, pencil in, 20 home runs every year. Yeah, but for like a WRC plus of like 105 every year. Well, yeah, that's their entire lineup, though. It's Odor, Gallo. It's like, they lost Pence. Well, yeah, they didn't lose Pence. He's still a free agent. Yeah, but it's not that likely they resign. I think they're... When I say that the Astros aren't going to be as good as last year and that other teams have a chance, I don't think that they actually have a chance for the division, but I think that we've seen the A's get relatively close to them in years past in the division races. I think just because of the relative depth of that division and the fact that those teams will be able, and that the AL is, there are still so many bad teams in the AL to beat up on that it's going to be closer than you might expect in the AL West even if the Astros do eventually pull away with it, which can't even be guaranteed. Yeah. But it's not going to be the Rangers because yeah. their lineup is really bad. Yeah. It won't be the Rangers. But, yeah. I think they'll be – they were probably the closest team to average in the AL last year, and I guess you probably can't count on career years from their entire pitching staff again this year, but I think they'll still be okay, even if not um, anywhere close to being phenomenal. And also, Gallo was hurt for a good deal last year, and he seemed like he had actually turned the corner. Yeah, they're st- they. I think they have a little bit of intrigue, even if they're not going to win more than eighty-two games, probably. I I think they're going to finish around the Angels. I have higher hopes for the Angels, but yeah, the Mariners. I think. I think it's not even it's, worth talking. There's, about the there's not a chance for the Mariners, unfortunately. What do you think? They are definitely one of the thirty major league teams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's move on to um, Central, the AL Central, which you've got. The White Sox made some moves this summer. They seemed to make all the moves. They signed Grandal. They sort of jumped into the free agency fray before anyone else was willing to and kicked off what was at least an exciting summer. Uh, winter. Winter, sorry, compared to the last couple years. But do you think that they have a chance to, let's say, compete for the wild card, or is that going to be only the Twins and the Indians who are competing for a spot in the playoffs? No, I think they got a shot. I mean, I think there's two very bad teams in the Central. Yeah. I think the Twins are clearly the best. I mean, the White Sox have a long way to go. I don't think they – I think they were too far away to do it all in one winter. You know? Of course. But in a scenario where Nick Madrigal comes up and is really good and Luis Robert is really good. I'm stoked um, for I'm, him. I'm super in on Juan Moncada. Like, I, yep. think, I know he had a crazy high Babbitt, but also he's really fast and he hits the ball really hard. So I think if that regresses, it won't be like all the way. I think it'll still be high. Um, I think Tim Anderson almost certainly will not be able to keep up what he did. So yeah, that was unsustainable. Also, not a very high walk rate. Yeah, historically yeah, low. Like, right. Uh, but Grandal, I mean, Grandal is such a huge, huge improvement there. I know yep. McCann was an all-star, but you know, he probably shouldn't have been yep. in the first half. And um, Grandal and, can hit and frame better than anyone else right. in the game, pretty much. Yeah, and what they got Encarnacion uh, at yeah. DH and a full season of Eloy Jimenez. I mean, their defense might be really bad. Yeah. <laughs> So enjoy that, Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, yeah, really. I do think all your ground is... all your ground balls are going to sneak through the through the infield somehow. Yeah. But at the well, same... Moncada's good, but like, and I guess Madrigal's supposed to be good too. But 
you know, Mendo Jimenez. Second. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they'll be improved, right? Yeah. I mean, they've, I, they I, have made the winter exciting, and I don't think they're going to win the division. And, but even if they go from, I don't know, 74 wins or whatever they had to, you know, mid-80s and stay in, in contention, that's a huge improvement. Yeah, I have them similar as a similar team to the Padres, where they're not going to make the full step this year, but they're definitely going to get back to at least above 500 with a bright outlook for the future. I think that's fair. Do you think that Cleveland is going to continue the same sort of free fall that they had last year? I mean, it wasn't a free fall. They did win 90-plus games, yeah, they but win 93 games at above. the same time, it was definitely a disappointment for, I'd say, the franchise, who has just proved unwilling to spend any money in free agency or on their own players yeah, even. I'm not sure how you could be anything other than disappointed. I guess you could be happy they didn't trade Lindor. Um, I'll say their bullpen is going to be fun. I love Karen Jack and Class A and Brad Hand. You know, that's a pretty fun group, and I like Fran Mel Reyes at yeah. CH, but yeah. they, they don't, you know, the outfield is bad, and their starting pitching is still good, but it sort of relies on Shane Bieber and Mike Clevenger giving you, like, 400 fantastic innings. Exactly, and those are two young guys who, I'm not sure you can just hand in the ball every single fifth day of the year, especially after right. lose, trading away Kluber, even though he wasn't uh, an all-star last year. He at least was a decent innings eater, and... So then you just have the Royals and the Tigers. Tigers are going to be worse than the Royals, but that doesn't mean the Royals are going to be any good. And then I guess we go into what seems almost like a formality in the AL East with the Yankees up top. But is there any chance that you think the Rays dethrone them, or is it just going to be the Yankees uh, just mauling their way to 110 wins? Well, losing Paxton didn't help, but yeah, yeah the Yankees, Yankees are really good. Well, they got Garrett Cole to replace him. Yeah, but uh, I I think it's a, I think it's a done deal. What? No, I'm I'm saying it's a done deal in the AL East. Yeah, the Rays. The Rays. I mean, the last several years we've it seems like they're holding everything together with uh, just duct tape or something like that. But they still win. Um, really strong duct tape games. in that case. Yeah, and their bullpen is going to be as good as it ever has been. They did have a bit of a brain drain in the front office, but I'm not sure that really affects a product on on the field. They still have some phenomenal. Uh, they have their phenomenal uh, pitching development. Well, yeah, you now you now have Glass now and Snell hopefully healthy for the for the entire year. And that's scary. Yeah, because Morton might actually be the third best starting pitcher on that team, right? And he was third in the AL Cy Young race last yeah. year. Yeah. So I like the Rays. Um, but also the Yankees, if they're healthy again this year, are going to be an unstoppable force because their rotation is actually legitimately good this year. Mike, talk to me about the Red Sox. What do you think? Um, people will be assuming they're going to lose 105 games and they'll still be in the wild card race. <laughs> so, name the Red Sox fifth starter right now is a very fun game. Oh, God. we I don't know if we have a fourth starter. Well, Martin Perez, right? If you go sale of all the uh, Rodriguez. Yeah. Martin Perez, yeah. Yeah, great, great option from from the Twins. Yeah, it's just Martin Perez was like on the Rangers forever. Didn't really pitch a game, and then got traded to the Twins. Pitched a few games, and then he's Further. basically a Porcello replacement. Yeah, and he's not too much better than Porcello, which is saying not a lot. And the bullpen still needs crazy amounts of help. Yeah, of course we do have to touch on the Mookie Betts trade since it did just happen, and that's really going to. Uh, affect the Red Sox's ceiling, I think. I don't like if whatever chance they had of winning ninety plus games is probably gone with replace with losing at least probably five wins and tr- going from Betts to Verdugo. They're eh, their their outfield is going to be fine, but not all that exciting. 
even as as exciting as their infield might be, with uh, Devers yeah. on one side and Bogarts next to them. I mean, those guys are two legitimate superstars, so it's yeah. a good place to start. Unfortunately, you had a third legitimate superstar, and you didn't give him away, but you definitely sold relatively low on him instead of paying him to keep him. All right, Blue Jays. Blue Jays are ex- the Blue Jays are exciting. I like the Blue Jays. Yeah, they're an exciting 75-win team, yeah. I mean, the rotation isn't really all that good, um, but they have so they have so much hitting talent. Kevon Biggio really stood out last year, and obviously Vlad Jr. might be better this year. We hope he's better this year because he was phenomenal in the minors. And Got Boba Shett. Boba Shett is really good. Um, Lourdes Gurriel. Yeah. The rotation is a real question mark, though. And that's a, and Yeah, the, they got Ryu. Ken uh, Giles is one of the best uh, closers in baseball, though. Yeah, and they don't they have... No, Lynn Blum went to the Brewers. No. Yeah. Um, who else do they have? They ha- oh, Didn't they get... Um, Chase Anderson? I'm not sure. Yeah, they got Chase Anderson, which, you know, take that for what it is, I guess. Um, the pitching still needs work, and they're going to lose a lot of games due to them having to play the Yankees 19 times a year. Well, yeah. they also got Tanner Roark. Forgot about that. Yeah. They're, I think they're a fine team. I Yeah. I would love – they're the kind of team who you would love to have them make um, an out-of-the-blue run at the wild card race, but maybe not all that likely. And the Orioles. Orioles are, yeah. okay, Mike, do you think, what is the next year that the Orioles might look to be over 500? Uh, 20, I don't know, like the year after the earth collapses into the sun. <laughs> yeah. Like 2024. Adley Ruch- it's Adley Rutschman's birthday today. He's the only future that the Orioles really seem to have. Imagine when Juan Soto's Athlete Rutschman's age. Yeah. Well, they have one of 25 possible pieces, uh, pieces for a future. They lost, they traded away Villar this year. Um, not, a, not an exciting team. Not I, really. I like Mancini. <laughs> Trey Mancini's okay. He's okay. They yeah, were, yeah were, we're grasping. They're going to lose 110 at, games yeah, probably. Yeah, grasping at straws here. Yeah. All right. So I guess that goes through what we think of every team. Um, Mike, do you have any other breakout projections that you think are going to happen this year? Guys who you think aren't getting talked about enough? Um, probably not enough people know who James Karinczak are. <laughs> I can't say that I do. I, I don't either. Yeah. James Karinczak, uh, at four levels of pro ball last year in the Cleveland organization, struck out 22 per nine. Oh, my and God. That's no, part of that was numbers. a rookie ball, whatever, but yeah. he made it to the Indians at the end of the year, and he should be... It was like a Nick Anderson type, so I'm very excited to watch him. Ooh, I like the Nick Anderson comp. I like the Nick Anderson comp because he was very bad with the Marlins, as many people are, because it's the Marlins. But then he—that's a badly run franchise. Poor, poorly run franchise. We Wait, actually, yeah, that's not true. Nick Anderson was great with the Marlins. Am I thinking the other way around? I don't Nick. know. Nick Anderson was a rookie last year, and he was great for the Marlins and got traded to the Rays and was yeah. even better. Nick Anderson. Yeah. Okay. I guess he was it, better. He was, better, was the... better with the Rays, but yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he still had the high spin rate, high strikeout rate. He just was on a, he was on a bigger stage. The Marlins, we've talked about this before. I like their strategy. I don't know if it's a strategy, but it seems to be one of getting high-variance guys. Like, Lewis Brinson is the kind of guy who might be a superstar, but right now it just seems like he's not going to be better than replacement level. And they have a lot of guys like that. Like VR. Jazz Chisholm. Yeah. Well, VR is more recent acquisition. But I think they're an interesting team. I just don't know if what they're doing is going to pay off. 
That's all I really have they to say. They have at least added some competent hitters this winter. That's true. Yeah, they can say that. It, they're not going to be a team that wins 60 games, but they're not going to be a team that wins much more than 70 plus a few. If, if, well, if, I, if I, that... It's. Uh, I think they're going to be relatively deflated win totals overall in baseball because you only have two super teams really, and that and instead of three because the Astros I can't really say are super team anymore. So yeah. I think we're going to have more parity than we've had in the past. Also, the balls might actually be dejuiced, like we saw in the playoffs. So I wonder if that gets people who have been sinker ball pitchers in the past and have underperformed. They might actually be doing better next year instead of getting hit hard like they have been for the last couple of years. Anything else uh, you want to add, Mike? Anything you want to talk about? The time we've got left? No, I don't think so. <laughs> well, I can certainly say f- for myself, it was great having you on. Um, Harrison, I'm sure you think the same. Yeah. It was really nice having you on. Um, love your stuff. Uh, one piece I always think about is that thing you wrote about tandem pitching a few years back. When I was in the middle of writing something myself, and I thought, oh, my God, who's this guy who just jumped the gun on me? (laughs) Sorry. That's okay. Uh, But thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we hope everything's well. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much.